Hey, beloved, welcome back to the show. Today, I am talking to one of my sweet kingdom friends, Diana Bingham from Texas. She owns a clinical private practice in the mental health field, facilitates inner healing prayer sessions with Christians all over the world to connect people to the heart of God and heal heart wounds. She also operates an online service for equipping Christian families to raise confident, responsible, and compassionate children through various courses, workshops, and an interactive membership program. But first, I want to thank you for listening and for sharing out the podcast to help us grow. It means so much to me that you are listening and finding value. And this is my business, serving you, helping you grow, helping you have breakthrough, helping you be healthy and whole to be the mom you were created to be, to show up as your best self, the best version of you. Your kids need you healthy and whole. Your inheritance is wholeness and to prosper in health just as your soul prospers. It's to leave a legacy of wholeness for your kids. So today, if you're enjoying the show, I have an ask. If you could please take a few minutes to rate the show and leave a review in iTunes and share this message with someone, it is so extremely important to me. This is the best way you can thank me. This is how I grow the show. It's how I get visibility and it's how I get ranked. My podcast is at number three in the Apple podcast category of alternative health. Shout out to my East Africa people. Someone is listening to me in Malawi, the tiny country with the big heart. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And also if you screenshot your review or this episode and add it to your IG stories or take me on Facebook at Heidi Brum, I will enter you in the giveaway that I do at the end of every month. All right, let's dig in. Welcome to the Covered Beloved podcast, where we choose to live faith-infused, holistic lifestyles while nourishing and renewing our minds to experience the depths of God's love for us. Hey there, I'm Heidi Brom, world changer and mom on a mission to bring a whole new level of health and wellness to your home. As a decade-long essential oil advocate, self-proclaimed personal and kingdom development junkie, and your holistic lifestyle strategist, I believe that when God created the earth, he didn't leave us without solutions, that he created us to be healthy and whole, and that he's covered each and every one of us as mothers with his protection, grace, and wisdom on how to live our most healthy, happy, and joyful lives. Are you ready? It's time to become the healthy home mom God created you to be, because he's got you covered, beloved. Let's dig in. Okay, here we go. Yay. I love having Kingdom Sisters on my show because God works in incredible ways and in crossing our paths at just the right moment. And Diana and I first met in 2018 through 100X, which is a movement of kingdom entrepreneurs founded by Pedro Deo. And I just remember recognizing the wisdom that she radiated when it came to raising a kingdom family. Diana is a licensed marriage and family therapist supervisor and registered play therapist supervisor. She's the owner and founder of Redefine and Unveiling Heirs, and she specializes in child and family relationships. Her passion is to demystify mental, relational, and spiritual health to equip families to raise confident, responsible, and compassionate children. Wow. I knew I just had to have her on the show to share her story, her practical knowledge, and her wisdom, her path in building deep connection with family and doing it all God's way. So welcome, Diana. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yes, I'm so glad this worked out. So tell us, if you don't mind sharing just a little bit about yourself, like what lights you up? 
what your hobbies are and how you like to spend your free time? Ooh, my favorite thing is spending time with my family. (laughs) I'm crazy about my girls and my husband. And so anytime we get to hang out or do some fun things, it's my favorite. I love crafting. I have a silhouette like cutter thing that I get to make a million different projects with. I don't always get to have the same amount of time that I would love to have, but anytime I can craft or create or bake, I actually love baking cakes and making homemade icing. It's so fun. So I just love all those kinds of things that let me get into my girly zone. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. My daughter, I have four girls and my second oldest she loves to bake. Like her thing is watching the British baking show and it's just so fun for her. So tell me about your girls. What are the ages of your girls? I've got an eight-year-old. She just turned eight and I have an 11-year-old. Oh, awesome. Yes. Yes. And they are so sweet for each other too. I remember when um, they were in daycare, like I would be busy from work. As soon as I get off from work, I would go pick them up and try to head home. And, and so I was in a hurry because I was thinking of a schedule because this is when they were so little and I was like all about the schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I would pick them up and they would greet each other because they're, they're three and a half years apart and they would just embrace in the hall. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Okay, girls, come on, let's go. They would embrace each other again in like the parking lot. I'm like, all right, let's get in the car. <laughs> but I also just love seeing siblings. I, I just love seeing like how they love one another and take care of each other. It's just, it's such a joy just to be a parent. It's not only like the best thing ever, but it's also the most stressful role that we ever have too. Yeah, definitely. And that plays into your journey with getting to where you are today and what you do for a living. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, we have real problems in the world and there has been so many things in life, just not from my own personal experience growing up. Uh, my own adulthood, but even the lives of friends and family, like just seeing the real pain, it's like, I want to be a part of the solution. And so really early on in my career, I started working at a shelter for youth. And these were kids who came from the streets. They were children. It was a temporary shelter. And so it was children ages six or seven, all the way up to 17. So they might've just gotten out of juvenile detention. They don't have a place to go yet, or they got removed from the home, but CPS is looking for a backup place, or they came in from the streets. And these kids came from such hard backgrounds and my heart just broke for them. And so, you know, from that situation, it really just launched something else in me that, you know, I was like, okay, this is what I want to study is family psychology. Like, what is it going to look like to help repair these hurting families? Because not only do these children hurt, but also the family they came from is so broken. And so there's just so many different experiences in life that really pointed to this path of, of really focusing on children and families. That's awesome. That would be a challenge to see everything that comes through on a regular basis with just like, okay, here's, here I am, God, like use me, but also knowing that you can only step in so far. So in your experience, what are some common mistakes that you see parents make? Oh yeah. We make these mistakes very often. And there's, there's three um, major mistakes that we make, but we don't really know that we make it. It's kind of like the whole idea of you don't know what you don't know. And I think growing up, I remember seeing my mom like self-sacrifice, like she would make sure that if she's going to prepare a meal and cook, she'll make sure everyone has as much as they want, even seconds before she'll even feed herself or she'll eat the worst part of the chicken or something along those lines. 
And so I understand the idea of being mature and, you know, giving to your kids, but sometimes we go too far where we get to the place as parents that we neglect our own self-care. So that's the first mistake is we neglect our own self-care. And so we sometimes feel selfish or we over-prioritize taking care of everyone that we completely neglect ourselves. I even remember when I had my first newborn kid, brand new mom, and I literally would forget to eat. I was so preoccupied. I would literally forget to eat. Now, of course, there are times where like you just don't have time if you're really, you know, in the whole newborn phase that first month. But we really have to recognize that we can't give what we don't have. And the brain is this relationally wired organ. And if we want our children to be healthy, to know how to uh, regulate their emotions, they actually learn how to take care of themselves by us. And so when we are wired a certain way and we're stressed, um, we want to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves so our kids don't pick up those things because we can't give what we don't have. There's been even times where, you know, I give my kids my leftover version of me. And then I wonder why they're being like, you know, cranky or rude. And, And I, one of the first questions I ask myself when I have like some pushback from my children is how am I doing? Have I been giving, have I been like attentive? and really emotionally present and available for them. So it's really key just to make sure, number one, that we prioritize our self-care. The second mistake is we really lack vision in parenting. And the flip side is to establish really clear parenting goals. And so, yes, you don't know what you don't know, but you also don't know where you haven't been. And so it's really important to partner someone just to help like tease out, well, what do I really want? in the family life, you know? And and so when we have a picture of what we want life to be like, then we're better able to clearly communicate with our kids what we expect out of them. But sometimes we correct kids after the fact, don't do that. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing, (laughs) you know? Or we're just reactive to everything that our kids don't have an idea of what they should be doing. And, And so we want to parent towards that direction. So for example, if I want my kids to be able to work out conflict, I need to make sure I'm specifically finding moments when they are actually working things out. So I will say, oh, great job, honey. I'm so proud of you for working things out. And I even praise them for that because my vision is I want children who know how to work out conflict or make repairs in relationship where there's issues. So when I catch them doing that, I'm very intentional to be like, great job working things out, you know, way to go, way to be the first person to initiate resolving that or apologizing. And so making sure that we establish clear parenting goals is very helpful for kids. So they have a vision for their future because without vision, the people cast off restraint and they're all over the place. But I want to be really intentional to make sure I'm driving a goal for my kids that they're healthy in different areas of life. And then really the third mistake is that we tend to over-focus on behavioral control. And this is a pitfall that we all can fall under, you know? And so we're, we're looking at behaviors. Maybe they disobey and we take it as disrespect and we're just so angry and offended as parents. And then we yell or whatever that may be. But here's the reality. Good behavior is a byproduct of a healthy heart. If you focus on directing your child's internal motivation by nurturing their heart, you're going to see good fruit. You're going to see that they have better attitudes 
I mean, they're still going to be youthful and have normal youthful problems, but for the most part, really want to focus on is having your kids be internally motivated to make good choices. But if we're always focusing on behavioral control, then our children will only act right whenever we're around or we're threatening a punishment, you know? And so when we're focusing on taking care of their heart and we go in at the heart level, we're getting really good roots. And so that those positive behaviors, you'll start seeing more of that. And we also want to remember that we don't want our children to only be externally motivated, you know, like they'll only show up and do schoolwork when there's something at stake. I remember like doing a little bit of this where I was over-focusing on behavior control when they were like toddlers. And then part of me was, you know, I caught it later on, but there was something that one of my daughters had said to me and it was like, they did something good and I praised them for it. And they were like, what do I get mommy? And I was like, oh no, I've been reinforcing too much for good behaviors only and not really taking care of the heart that I was like, you know what? You get a sense of pride knowing that you made the right decision. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. I can relate to so much of what you said. And there was just so much gold in that. I want to go back real quick to the self-care. And you said that you were offering your kids the leftover version of yourself. Oh, I um, actually pulled in a homeschooling group what their biggest struggle was with either mindset or homeschooling, you know, health in their family as they're doing this. And that was like the overwhelming number one struggle was that they felt like there wasn't enough of them to go around by the time they were done. And they were just so mentally drained after spending time with their kids, right? That they didn't have time to recoup their brains before they moved on. And so that is really a huge pivotal piece and an issue I see too. Uh, and then with the vision and the parenting goals, I just think that that is so important to be in that position of proactive parenting versus reactive parenting, which we all, you know, do, but just being intentional about that. So I'm, I'm hoping you have like solutions for us and I'll ask about that in just a minute, but I want to just touch on that last one of the focus behavior control. I guess, are you seeing more like focus on punishment as a way of, you know, controlling behavior versus setting up these expectations for the positive behavior and then reinforcing that? So it's kind of like this when my child lied to me last week, <laughs> Instead mm-hmm. of being reactive, be like, gasp, oh, the horror, she lied. My honest kid lied. You know, um, I don't want to come down on co- with consequences and punishment. Yes, she'll have a consequence, but sometimes that can tend to be our first reaction. Like I need to be consistent and follow through immediately. But instead I want to know, well, why did she lie? You know, that's kind of important. I want to get to the root of it, not just the fruit. Right. And so I had to, you know, take care of my own self issues. Like, like, so I was like being triggered. That's a button. I don't like lies and I don't like deceit, you know, manipulation. So I had to put my own personal issues about it on a shelf, so to speak. So being aware that I've got my own buttons, but I don't want to be reactive to her. And so I put it on a shelf. So that's kind of like some of the language that I use when I'm training parents, but then I speak to her heart and I'm like, Hey babe, like, you know, help me understand like what, what's going on? Like, why would you even do that? Like, help me understand. And she was still upset, you know, cause she like, you know, kids don't like to be caught or be in trouble or whatever. And they get defensive sometimes. And so you have to really guard your heart as a parent, not to take it personal and to see past the anger or the attitude. And, and so she gave me all these excuses and like, yeah, I understand that. I was like, you know what I always say to you. And so I reflect back on other teachable moments because it really parenting should be connected, not just isolated conversations. So I was like, you know how I always say to you guys is, you know, mistakes are going to happen. You're going to make bad choices. Sometimes that's not really what I'm most upset about is that the fact that you lied. Um, I don't like that, but I want to know why you lied. 
we, we say, you know, mistakes happen. The most important thing is that you make it right and things like that. But she was just feeling justified, you know? So as I was talking with her, what it came down to is she really felt like the restrictions that we had were, were a little bit too tight, but also like when you're lying, you're not just trying to avoid punishment or something along those lines. You're also seeking something. And so why did she feel the need to seek out something and have to lie? When it came down to it, it's because, you know what, her child is in a pandemic. The only time she really gets to play with friends is online. And so basically she had friended some people in a, a gaming app, which there was nothing bad or dangerous that happened, you know, thankfully, but, but we just have a policy of like, you know, don't friend people you don't know. And so we just talked with her about it, but when it came down to it, she just felt like she was meeting people and making friendships. And so I was like, I get that. Like my heart hurts for her that she doesn't have a lot of kids her age that are like on her street that she plays with. And it's not normal childhood, you know, what I would consider normal childhood. So I was really focusing on the pain that there's pursuit of something, you know, sometimes we go through not great paths to fulfill the pain or pleasure that we're seeking. And so that's where her pain was, you know, and what she was seeking. And so we talked about that and I was like, is there other ways that we can take care of that? instead of going to this measure by breaking rules. And so when we can recognize what the root is and fulfill like what it is that they're trying, the goal or the pain or whatever it is, if we're able to find ways to satisfy it without violating rules, then that's what we want to go after, you know, kind of like, well, negative attention is better than no attention. So sometimes our children, they act out in a negative way, but it's because they're seeking attention. They're not trying to be manipulative, but they just, they're wanting attention. So there's, there is a need behind every behavior or misbehavior. So we want to find out what's the need and can we satisfy it? But if I'm all angry and, you know, bent out of shape about it, then her guard will go up. And when your child's guard is up, any words you speak, those seeds will not land on the soil of her heart. And so really like nurturing the heart and making sure we're, we're good. Now, did she still get a consequence? Absolutely. So I loved on her heart, talked about like the, the root of it and how we're going to address the root and we came up with some solutions, but then we're like, okay, well, because you did lie and, and, you know, you covered up and had attitude about it, you know, we're still going to, you're still going to have a consequence. And so she was able to receive that because I had as much composure as I possibly could, but I took the time just to sit and talk with her. And I think that's really important is that we just, we speak to the heart and talk about like the root of the issue, as opposed to only focusing or primarily focusing on the behavior. Mm. Wow. That is so good. Oh my goodness. I can just feel your passion about helping Christian parents just raise healthy and heart connected children. And that, that is a really great practical way that you just share with us just to kind of connect the dots. Can you tell us more? Cause I know you have your own private practice and you facilitate inner healing sessions and just helping people connect to the heart of God. Do you have any more practicals that you can share with the parents listening right now? Absolutely. So there are a couple of things I want to talk about. So when you're working with your kids, you want to think about the different domains of health that they have, right? So um, we actually have different areas. We have our, our physical health. We have our spiritual health, our psychological health, which is mental and emotional and then we have our, did I say relational yet? No, <laughs> we have our relational health. There you go. <laughs> and so when we have these four domains of health, we want to take a look at all of them because we are not created and exist in a vacuum. Like when I'm sick, I have low energy. It affects my body. So my physical health is impacted. And so therefore I might be like more emotional or maybe more cranky, which means it's going to affect my relationships. I'm going to be avoidant or irritated or maybe sad or 
You know what I mean? I won't have much to give. And the same is true on the flip side that when I'm doing good in any of those areas, it's going to affect the other areas. So one of the things I like to sit down with parents is um, let's just sit down and talk about all these different areas of our health so that we can get really specific on, okay, so if your child's having problems with tantrums, one of the best tips for tantrums is to go after the heart, but there's like a, there's a mental process that I love to train parents on is like, think about emotional traffic signal. You have red zone. It's where like you, your emotions are too big parent. Like this is not the time to be teachable. And then we have like yellow zone. This is where you're calm enough, <laughs> calm enough, right? That's like in air quotes, if you can see me. And so, and you know, in other words, you have composure, but your child's still like their emotions are still big. Maybe they're having anxiety. Maybe they're having an anger outburst, whatever it may be. And so then what you're, or maybe they're like super sad and overwhelmed and they're overwhelmed is that they shut down and don't want to come out of their room. And so big feelings can look different ways. And then, so red zone, I love to tell parents, Hey, if you're in the red zone, just take a, take a break. Like you literally need a break for you so that you don't like say something or do something you're going to regret because you're not in a good place to parent. Remember, you can't get what you don't have. And if we're trying to teach our children how to have self-control and how to be healthy emotionally, mentally, then we have to be literally in the state of good and mental, emotional health when we're having to discipline our parent. And so in that yellow zone, when we're calm enough and the kids still like got big feelings, that's whenever during those times, you want to make sure that you are speaking to the heart and don't go after, don't go after behavior control. Now, if they're throwing a fit in the middle of target parking lot, like you just got to do what you got to do to be safe, like pick up the kid, go in the car, whatever. But then once they're calm enough, you know, you're, you're working on coping skills in the yellow zone, then you're moving into green zone. When you're in the green zone, that means you're calm enough still, and your child's now calm enough. That's when you get to do the teachable moment. So envision walls going up versus walls going down. Don't try to go after correction, instruction, and direction when your child is emotional. When the emotions are too big, literally the logical part of the brain gets hijacked <laughs> by the emotion and a stress hormone cortisol floods the system. And the logical parts of our brains are not very accessible. So what we really want to be doing during those times is not teaching and instructing what we want to be doing. Cause that wall is up. You want to make sure that during those moments, you're working on coping skills and relationships. And so as we're focusing on those things, then when the kids calm enough, that's whenever we want to do some teaching and rebuilding, that, that's going to be really important. And I think one thing that's really helpful too, is not only like practically, like think about the, the tr emotional traffic signals, what I call it, but also think about time ins versus timeout. So in the red zone, I need a parental timeout, but this is not a punitive timeout where you send a, a toddler into a corner somewhere or the room, you know, what this is, is a basketball strategy timeout. Like, Hey, let's take a break, regroup, get a new game plan in place and let's come back together again. And this is really for the parent you know, until I can get some composure. And then yellow zone is time in and in time in, like we're connecting because the only way that kids learn how to regulate their emotions. Remember I said that the brain is relationally wired. The only way they're going to learn how to regulate their emotions is actually through connection with you. And so that's why we have to be in a good place, um, but we skip this phase. And so what we usually do is we do like timeout, like your behaviors are out of control. Go over there. You know, I can't handle this right now. You know, go to your room. But traditional timeout, here's what it actually does. Number one, you're communicating your behavior is so bad that you need to go away from my presence. And when you clean up your behavior, then you can come back into my presence. That is not how father God parents mm -hmm. us. In fact, he says, when you have mistakes or problems or whatever, come to me, I can help you with those things. He's the greater parent. 
And so when we look at how the Lord models that for us and we're using traditional timeout, we're communicating so many things and then we grow up as adults and we think, oh, I have so much bad problems and I feel scared to even talk to God because I feel like, you know, I'm, this is not forgivable or I got to get myself cleaned up in order to go to church. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and then our kids think that way. And then they, then they like, I have to clean myself up. So I'm accepted. And but then now they're struggling with problems. We have real problems in the life and, and they're really heavy and weighty. And so when, when our kids are struggling, we're saying that you have to figure it out on your own. Never mind that God gave you to me, you know what I mean? For I'm the most trusted caregiver, you know, like in your life that you'll have. And so you have to figure that on your own. But the reason why kids throw tantrums, the reason why they're out of control, they're angry or they're sad or shut down or withdrawing or, or maybe even self-cutting is because they're saying, hey, mom and dad, this feeling that I have inside, whether it's disappointment, worries, anxiety, anger, uh, you know, whatever that emotion is that they're struggling with, they're saying, literally, I'm out of control. I don't know what to do with it. That's why their behaviors are so big. And so we have to make sure that we recognize we don't want to communicate. I can't be there for you. You know, when your feelings are so big, child, I'm going to be there for you because I know that you can't carry that on your own. They're literally saying, I need help. But verbally, they might be saying, I'm so mad at you. I hate you, mom and dad. You know, I want a new family. You know, they may be saying those things, but literally they're out of control because their emotions internally are out of control and they actually need us. So that's the yellow zone. They're actually communicating. I need you. But traditional timeout communicates something completely different. You got to clean yourself up in order to get help. If you're asking for help, there must be something wrong with you. You need to go into isolation. And like, isn't that a strategy of the enemy that when we're in our deepest pain, we can't ask for help. And so that goes back into the other thing of like parenting with a vision or a goal. Like my goal is that my daughters, I want them to know to how to recognize when they need help and number two, be brave enough to ask for it. And so one of the things I do is I will praise them when they ask for help. I'm like, great job asking for help. You know, the most mature people are the ones who not only know when they need help, but they're brave enough to ask for it. I am so proud of you. We reward that behavior. Like great job asking for help. I love that. That is so good. Oh my gosh. I can just see like all the moms listening right now. Yes. I want a healthy home. I want healthy hearts in my children. This is just so great. And you put to words like kind of my parenting style from birth until about the age 11, 12 ish. And I struggle with my teenagers. They're 15 and 17 right now. And it's like, anytime I could feel their emotions getting too big when they were little, like we would just cover it with a hug and like powwow about it. And I agree with everything that you just said. It feels like, although that worked at a younger age, there was a disconnect as they got, I don't want to say more rebellious, but you know, just more firm in what they wanted versus what we were asking. And all of the behaviors kind of stemmed out of that. And yeah, I, I disconnected with how do I cover them almost like their emotions are so big. How can I cover them? And there wasn't that like physical connection that could help with that emotional connection. Does that make sense? Yeah. So whatever, like, is that something that normally happens as children age up that it becomes harder for them to connect with their parents? You know, children go through different developmental stages. So like really little kids, they are physically expressive with their emotions. That's why, like you see toddlers, their feelings are so big. They're laid out on the ground, you know? 
And then as they get older, kids start to begin to more verbalize their emotions. That's why sometimes you get the attitude of the talking back, you know? And so there's different developmental stages that kids go through, but yeah, as kids become, they enter into the adolescent phase. Now, every child's a little different. So I'm, I am speaking gen, like in a general broad kind of sense, some teenagers still love the touches and the, you know, all the snuggles or whatever, but for some teens, they don't want that physical comfort necessarily. So I think that sometimes you just have to walk side by side with your teen and be like, Hey, what helps you the most? You know, and you're thinking about like uh, Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages. What's what's worth like $20 to them in their currency versus $1? And so you're trying to learn from your child what they might need. And they may not know that, but you're just exploring it with them. That's good. Oh, so good. Okay. So, and your specialty is in child and family relationships. So can you tell us what you offer for equipping families right now? I mean, I'm just sure everybody's like, oh my gosh, I need this, Uh, especially with the transitions in 2020, just to help them raise confident, responsible, and compassionate children. What do you offer in equipping families for this? Oh, we have an amazing membership group that people are able to sign up with. They can go to unveilingheirs.com to learn more. Uh, But one of the things that we do is we actually are all about helping parents know how to have powerful conversations because we know that there's power of life and death are in the tongue. And so, you know, as parents, sometimes we don't know what to say. In fact, I had like three conversations this week with different families where their parents, like, I didn't know what to say in this moment, you know? And I'm like, Hey, I get it. Like there, it's hard to have these conversations, especially if you never had a parent who who talked with you about these things, you know, you're trying to figure it out the first time. And so we have this membership group where um, parents can join in and they're learning tips and strategies, just like in this interview where we're learning how do I talk to my child about this in a way that's powerful and effective, but yet it feels so natural. So we're developing this as a community. Like how do we talk about these really difficult topics? But the other thing is we're equipping them with specific activities. And so we'll do different assignments in there. Like we'll give parents uh, worksheets and tell them how to talk about these worksheets with the younger kids. And uh, just the other week, we were talking uh, to parents on how to talk with your child about forgiveness and boundaries and reconciliation, you know, all of those kinds of things. And it's like, I had a one mom call uh, message me back and she was like, Oh my goodness. I I listened to this while in the car and the kid that really needed to hear this topic heard it also. So thank you so much. This was perfect timing. And it's so important to do these kinds of things, but we also have practical exercises of teaching our children how to hear God for themselves. And so our goal is to help families know how to equip their kids to not only be healthy physically, Uh, mentally and emotionally, but also relationally and spiritually. So we try to cover these different areas and just really serve families so well. That is awesome. What ages do you cover in your workshops? You know, we have um, parents that have like toddlers and babies (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we do talk about parenting strategies and we do support parents and we have um, parents that have adult children and even like teenagers, but some of the worksheet ones, that's going to be primarily great for kids that are ages seven up to 13. Oh, that sounds so perfect. I'm so excited. And you mentioned helping your children hear from God. And what does God's voice sound like? That is something that we're doing with our seven-year-old right now. And she's absolutely loving it. So what, do you have any practicals you can share real quick on that? Yes. So one of the things that I like to do with my girls, especially at bedtime, I love snuggling them. And so sometimes we'll do like a quick exercise just to practice it. So first of all, you want to teach your kids like how to recognize the difference between their voice, God's voice, and the voice of the enemy. 
And, and we even have a workshop on that one too, that we do with families uh, with worksheets and activities to practice it and even like how to take thoughts captive. But then we do this very simple one. So after your kids have this foundational knowledge, then we're going to talk with the kids, teach your children that God speaks in so many different ways. Like his primary language isn't English. And so we want to like, say like he's communicating through all of creation. And so one of the things you can activate is, and sometimes I try to help them practice. I actually think it's in Hebrews. I forget the verse right now, but it talks about how we can train our senses to discern good and evil. And in that scripture verse, so it's like, okay, so there's something I can do to train myself to discern what's good and evil, you know, what's coming from the Lord, what's not coming from the Lord. And so that's why we use the word activation. We're training ourselves, our senses. And so I'm like, Hey, you know what, girls, sometimes the Lord speaks through things that we see. It could be something that you see in the natural, like around you in the room or even in your head, like in that place of imagination. So if I say the word apple, can you see an apple in your mind? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, what color is it? Is it sliced? Is it whole? And they kind of tell me what they see in their mind. I'm like, okay, great. So we'll do a specific exercise. We're like, okay, so we're just going to pray and ask Holy Spirit just to tell us what, what is something that you love about another person in the room? So if I'm snuggling both my girls, we're all in the same room, you know, or maybe my husband's there and we're like, okay, so, um, uh, I think this one's for you. And so they'll like share, like, I'm really seeing this and maybe they'll choose an image in that they see in their mind. Or they'll choose an object in the room. You know what? Um, something that I'm drawn to is this box of Kleenex. And I'm like, oh, okay. So who's this word for? Because we also talk about when God speaks, it's encouraging, strengthening, and comforting. That's in scripture as well. And so uh, I'm like, oh, okay. So what do you feel like he's saying? And so they start talking about it and they're practicing hearing God for other people. Like, well, I really feel like you're the kind of person who really brings comfort. Um, and it's individual for every moment because they're thinking about how Kleenex comes out one at a time, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, that's so sweet. Thank you. That was really encouraging. And so that's one of the fun ways that you can get your kids to practice. And then you do and you're modeling it for them as well. And, and I'm like, wow, do you feel like loved by that? They're like, yes. Like, then that was the Lord. That's so great. Oh, I just got Holy Spirit chills. I love it. Yay. <laughs> Equipping our children to just activate those spiritual senses is such a powerful tool. As I'm working with my daughter with this too, I'm like, this isn't just helpful for you and me right now. Like this is, you're going to be able to help other people, you know, your friends, if they're feeling hurt or sad, you know, so yay. I'm so excited. Okay. So if people want to connect with you, you already mentioned your website, Unveiling Ears. Is there another way that they can connect with you or where can people find you? It's really easy just to follow me on social media, follow me on Instagram for the Unveiling Airs account, or even on Facebook. Awesome. And one last question as we wrap this up, what is next for you in 2021? What are you working on? Ooh, we're building out so many different things. We have a lot of products that we're going to be creating. We've got more journals. We have a journal out already that's been on Amazon to help parents to be able to hear God through journaling and just checking in on their own heart. Cause we know self-care is so important and we love making things practical. So there's a couple ways that we can even journal our conversations with the Lord just to get to our own root issues. Cause right. We want to go to our heart, not just focus on our fruit and like, you know, sit, you know, self-condemnation and shame and guilt. And so when we talk with the Lord and we have this journaling process, but we are coming out with three more, it's a whole set. So we're going to be wrapping up as many of those as we can in 2021. Awesome. And I will be buying your journals and I can't wait to check more into your workshops. So I just want to thank you, Diana, for your time today, for just being here. And I just want to say a blessing over you quick before you go that everything you're doing 
to help bring people closer to God, to connect them together in deep relationships with him and as a family unit and everything you're doing just to equip families for growth and connection. So thank you for joining me today and we'll talk soon. Hey, beloved, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's podcast and you learned something new, head over to iTunes for Covered Beloved and leave a five-star review. Hit subscribe while you're there. And of course, if you have friends who would benefit from today's episode, be sure to share. Until next time, remember, God's got you covered.